All right. Hey, everyone. Good morning. Let's make our way back to our seats this morning as we transition to get in today's message for today. I'm going to invite you to open up the Word of God to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is where we're going to get our starting point today. As, as we have heard and, re- and know, today is, is Memorial Day weekend, and it's a time in our nation where we remember and honor those who have served and died in our armed forces for our country, but also today as a church, uh, in conjunction with Memorial Day weekend, we want to take a, some time today to follow the Lord's words to remember His faithfulness in our lives and over the time of our life through tragic times through triumphant times. We want to take time today to remember. And I've titled today's message in this time today, it's called, We Remember Scars and Stones. We Remember Scars and Stones. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, can also follow along on the screen. It says this, For everything, can you say everything? For everything there is a season, a time, For every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. Let's pray. Oh God, we are thankful for this moment Thank you that we have your word that leads us and guides us in our life. It's the road map. It's, it's our conviction. It's our conscience. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you that it's more than just words on a page. But it's your word. You spoke it. And the words you speak are life. And the words you speak bring life. And so now, Lord, we ask you to speak to us today through your word that life would happen. Where it's out of balance, it would become centered. Lord, where we're off track, it would get back on path. Where we're just are unclear and unsure, answers. Where we need hope, you provide it. Where there's doubt, you would bring faith. Lord, we need you and we thank you that you speak to us now in this hour. In Jesus' name, everybody can say amen. And amen. As I mentioned, I titled today's message. I'm going to be brief, but I'm, because I've invited some folks out of our congregation that are going to help me carry the weight of this message and going to be sharing their testimony and their story, and we're going to talk about that. One summer, this little boy went swimming into a, in a lake outside behind his house, and he jumped in and was having fun. His mother was watching him from the, from the house and looking out the window, and she saw a crocodile had lunged into the lake and so she obviously freaked out and ran outside and started calling her son's name to come in yelling for him he finally heard her and he panicked and started swimming towards the dock and his mother ran down to the dock and about the same time she reached down to pull his body out of the water the crocodile bit down on his legs and that crocodile was pulling him and that mother was pulling him that crocodile was strong but that mother's love and passion for that young boy her son was stronger She dug her fingernails deep into his skin on his arms and held on for dear life. And about that time, a neighbor heard all the screams, ran over with a pistol, saw what was happening, and shot the crocodile. 
The boy survived, had to go through a lot of extensive surgeries, was able to walk uh, normally. But when he was in recovery, a reporter showed up and said that he wanted to do a story on, his, on, on what had happened. And he asked the young boy, could he see the scars on his legs? And so the young boy lifted up the bed sheets and to let him see the scars on his legs from the bite of that crocodile. And the little boy looking at the reporter's face could see he was taken back. And he goes, but really, here's, let me show you the scars you really need to see. He took off his t-shirt and he said, you see these scars in my arms? These are the scars of love that my mother's fingernails gripped me so tightly that she would not let me go and be drowned by that crocodile. Scars of love. But yet it was also scars of pain. And that, you know, that's what our scars remind us of in life. We all have battle scars. We all have life scars because we, as we know, you've been around, life isn't fair and it, it, it hits hard and oftentimes leaves marks, leaves scars. And scars remind us of our pain. But there's also something the Lord tells us to do that week is a story in Joshua chapter 4. I'm going to Look at it here. It'll be on the screen. It's Joshua chapter 4. By this time, leadership had transitioned from Moses to Joshua because Moses had passed. Israel was still in a journey, years of a journey, traveling to get into the promised land. A new life for them that God had promised them. They hadn't quite got there yet. They still had a few more feats and a few more battles to go through in order to actually get in and set up life and Here they were at the Jordan River. And here's what the Lord tells Joshua. Joshua chapter 4 says, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. Verse 6 says, We will use these stones to build a memorial. You say memorial. We'll build a memorial. And in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, they remind us. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. And these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Look down to verse 21. It says, in Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these twelve stones mean? And you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and He kept it dry until you were all across, just as He did at the Red Sea when He dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, And so you might fear the Lord your God forever. Carry on to chapter 5, verse 1. It says, When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart. And they were paralyzed with fear because of them. Scars make us remember our pain. Stones cause us to remember God's faithfulness and God's power. 
the story was, your children will ask you in the future, what's the deal with all these rocks in the riverbed? Not the ones that are under the water, but the ones that are piled up, huge boulder stones. There, there's one, two, there's 12. What is that all about? And you will tell them, well, they remind us. They remind us that the Lord helped, that he is faithful. When they ask, what are these stones about? They remind the world that the Lord is powerful and he is to be feared. And they remind the enemy that the Lord is actually in control, not him, not them. That he is providential. You see, because the enemy wants to discourage us to discount God. And here's what happens. The more you and I remember God's faithfulness in our life, the enemy loses heart more and more and more and more. You see, what happens is he catches on. He starts to realize, oh, they have caught on. God's people are reminded of his faithfulness and his power in their life, his control in their life for their good and not their bad. And so the more they remember, the more they worship, the more they praise, the more they remember his faithfulness and power in their life, the less power I have to discourage them to count on God. In other words, I'm not going to get them to discredit God in their life. So I'll just move on. Not that he doesn't come back around or circle back around because he's always like a roaring, lying, seeking whom he may devour. At some point in time, that's why the Bible tells us to live alert, to live vigilant, to live on guard, and to not let our guard down because he just wants to wait and see, will we stop remembering his faithfulness? Even in the midst of difficult, disappointing, tragic times, will we still remember the faithfulness and the power of God in our life as we walk through the Jordans that life has in front of us? And so, so what's the big deal with these stones? Well, they remind us. These stones remind us of God's faithfulness. They remind us that God is really indeed powerful and providential and has it under control, even when we don't, and even when we don't think he does, he really still does have it under control. To kind of illustrate this point just a tad further, there's a story in second, or excuse me, First Samuel. It's about Samuel, the prophet, the judge, where the first judge that the Lord raised up to judge Israel. And he was uh, one of the more prophetic ones. And Israel, up until this point, they had they had been enduring all kinds of wars, all kinds of battles with the Philistines. If anyone had their number, it was the Philistines. That's the one later on in chapter 16 that David fights the giant, the Philistine champion. And they had gone through, or 16 and 17 talks about that, and so they had gone through a series of battles over the years, leaving a number of scars in their life. So much so that in chapter 7, verse 2, it said that all of Israel had mourned because it seemed that the Lord had abandoned them. You ever find yourself there sometimes over life? Where is God? Where is he in the midst of this that I'm dealing with? Where is he in the midst of what this world seems to go through? Where is God in tough times? And they found themselves because it said they, it seemed 
that he had abandoned them. And you and I know the promise of Scripture that God never leaves, God never forsakes, God never abandons, absolutely never does. And then God raised up a Samuel, and this Samuel called God's people to pray and called them to focus again on God. And so he had gathered all of them together to do such, to reorient their life, to get it back on track, to focus again on the Lord their God. And as they were together praying, as they were together worshiping, as they were together focusing on God again, remembering his faithfulness in their life, it said the Lord spoke with a mighty, thunderous, loud voice that threw the Philistine enemy into chaos and to confusion. And so much so that Israel was able to defeat them that day. And here's what Samuel did. Look at this on the screen, verse 12. 1 Samuel 7, 12, it says, Samuel then took a large stone, placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshanah, and he named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. So far, God has helped us, and I believe God will continue to help us, so much so as we continue to remember him and not forget Because let's just get real and honest that oftentimes we go through so much sometimes as people that it's often, we often forget what God just did. Right? You ever had a need in your life? Maybe a financial need and, 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 and God met that in some unique way or whatever and then you go on through a little more time of life and you're in, a, you're, you're in another place of prayer and crosswords where you're praying and seeking the Lord, I have this need, I have this need. And we can get filled with doubt sometimes because we forget. Oh, wait, yeah, that's right. You did that last time. Not always, but often enough, we, it's because we get so wrapped up and busy in life that we forget to tell ourselves to settle down, calm down, slow down, chill out, And remember, hey, God has got this. He has this. He's with us. He never left us. The enemy would like to make it think, it seems that God has abandoned you. Where is your God now? You see, Israel had gone from where is God to now God is here. Oftentimes it said, God is nowhere. Spell those words out in your mind. Nowhere. N-O-W-H-E-R-E. Slow it down. God is now here. See what happens? The enemy, if he can't take us out, he'll get us busy. He'll get us zipping and zooming and going so fast. We, every which way but loose. And we're like, where's my head? It's about to spin off. Where, where am I at? What's going on? How am I going to get this? How am I going to get there? How am I going to get the kids here? How am I going to buy the kids at? How am I going to feed myself? How am I going to clothe myself? How am I going to pay this bill this week? How am I going to do what I need to do? Slow it down. God is nowhere. Wait, 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 wait. God is now here. It's another big reason... Summer camps are so vital for our young people. A time for them to slow it down. So they get out of the chaos of peer pressure, gossip and lies, nonsense. Nipping and nipping and nipping and nipping, saying this, saying that, doing it. It's ridiculous. And it's a time for them to get away, to slow it down, 
to hear what God has to say. So remember that, and may I always remember that as a parent now, that camp is vital. Camp is important. Another reason why weekly worship gatherings are so important, we slow it down to see, to remember, God is now here. Amen? So with the remainder of our time, I've asked some folks to come. They're going to help preach the message of God's faithfulness with their story. So if scars in life remind us of pain, stones remind us of God's faithfulness. And we may not do physical stones today. We're not setting up 12 boulders and putting them in our living room or anything like that or out on our driveway. What are those big 12 boulders for? Heck, if I know, somebody just put them there. I, well, they must be going to build something. I don't know. No, we may not do it with physical stones, but here's what we do. We have our story. Our stories are our stones. And so the more we share them, the more we talk about them, the more God gets credit, the more hope gets put in our heart, the greater the faith we begin to get. And people see, hear our story, and what happens is that story points people to God and His faithfulness and His power that we can trust Him with our life. The Bible says in Revelation 12, it says that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And so not only do they, the one who shares, overcome, but those who hear also overcome. Because when you hear these stories today, you're going to hear faith, you're going to hear some hope, you're going to hear of difficulty, because life is, is, is mixed with all of that. But through it all, you're going to hear the faithfulness of God. And I just want to encourage you to not just sit today, but I want you to listen and engage into these stories and let the stories of these real people help point us to God and remind us of His faithfulness. So if the couples would come on up, it's Rodney and Tammy Bishop, Van and Jackie Nash. We had a young person that was going to share today. You might have heard of her, Sydney Wise. She's ill. She could not be here. She was running a fever, so it's like, no, don't come, okay? So, but she hate, hated to miss, so we, we had her plan, but uh, we, we obviously can't do that today. So, but I'm going to have these folks take, take a few minutes. Um, uh, they have been given some time limits, so I don't want you to freak out like, okay, Van's going to go all T.D. Jakes and go for 45 minutes on us today. Tammy might, but, uh, you know, um, but, hey, if they ag you on, just go with it. That's what I do. That's why, you know, when people amen, it just kind of pulls it out of you. You just go, oh, yeah, I'm going to keep going here. So, but they're, they're going to share. Let, let's, let's give them our time, give them our attention these next few minutes as they share stories of hope, healing, and help. Um, our story began probably a couple of years ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we made some very bad decisions uh, financially. And um, so me being, having the personality that I have with, you know, I'm going to fix it because that's what I do. Um, I got ahead of God. 
and I went to work at a job that kept me away from God and kept me away from my family and the only good thing I got out of that job um, was nothing. <laughs> uh, I ended up with a broken leg and I was laid up for um, a while um, and it was during that time that instead of turning to God, I turned away. Even though I'm saved, I teach Bible in school, I do all of the things that a normal Christian would do instead of doing what I knew to do, I did something completely different and I turned away. Um, which made our financial situation even worse. Um, I got depressed, and when I get depressed, it's a bad thing because um, I spend money, and I spent money we didn't have. So, but because I am the way I am, and the Lord is working on me, so don't judge me, but um, because I am the way I am, I always want to fix it because I, that's the way I grew up. Um, I grew up in a church where we had to, work your way to God, and um, even though I hear it weekly through Pastor Jeremy, I mean, you know, my whole life, other than during that period of time, I knew that um, God is faithful, his grace is real, but I still felt like I had to fix it, so God's not going to help me when I made this mistake, so um, in January, um, Pastor Jeremy, they did a class called Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace um, with um, Jordan. And we, I decided then that not only did I have to change the way I did things, but I had to change the way I thought. And um, I had to learn that God's grace is bigger than my mistake. And I had to learn that no matter what I did, He's going to grab me because he loves me too much to let me sit in my sin. So um, we took the class with Jordan, um, the Dave Ramsey Financial Piece, and I, w together we determined that we were going to start tithing regularly. I mean, we tithed before this, but it was spontaneous. It was just when I felt like we had the money. Um, but since January, since the new year, we have, we have tithed faithfully, we have prayed, we have worshipped, and we have stood. And I'm not going to tell you that it's always been easy because I am one that I don't like to cook. You can ask all of my friends. Cooking's not my deal. So, uh, so we, um, we eat out a lot. <laughs> so... Um, I've had to learn to eat at home and eat my own cooking, which y'all need to pray about that. But um, So I've, we've, we, since January, since we started the class, we have paid off, and y'all don't laugh at this because it's huge, but I'm just going to say, we have paid off, at the end of June, we will have paid off nine of our bills. <laughs> We are halfway to, the, to our emergency fund. We are halfway there. Um, and by the end of July, by the end of July, we will have paid off 11. So, yeah. 
So I don't get paid in the summer because, you know, we're teachers and we don't get paid in the summer. So um, like last year, I, um, I tried to fix it. And I, went, I missed God and went to work at a place where it took me away. Well, this year, because we prayed about it, I don't have one part-time job, but I have two. And they're not going to take me away from church nor my family. So... All right, and another way that God has blessed us was back in, well, it's been several, a long time that we've been praying for insurance for my wife. And we all know how expensive insurance is because all the years through my job, literally, if I put my family on my insurance, it would take half of my check. So we've been just been praying and praying. And finally, last year around November, I decided, well, we decided, you know what, we're just going to do it. When enrollment comes in, well, I'm just going to put her on there. We'll just deal with it. We'll figure it out somehow. I'll have to turn more hours at work, work late, paying a few more cars. Um, and there's a certain amount of hours that I got to turn, that I turn each week. And when I say this, I know a lot of people are going to be like, you, there's, you can't do that in a week. I normally turn at least over 100 hours a week. But that's commission. That's how much, like, each car that I paint, I get so many hours. But in that, I take a, I keep a little bit, and there's a certain amount that I turn in to get paid. So that way, you know, it pays our bills and yada, yada. Well, when it came in and they told me how much it's going to be to have her on there, uh, immediately I was like, oh, my God. What am I going to do? Well, I'm just, I'm, we're just going to deal with it. So January came. February, March came, but in the process, we were doing this Dave Ramsey thing. I really wasn't paying attention to my checks. It's like we never missed the money until one day I, I didn't have enough hours because job, my job is getting slower. So I'm like, oh, Lord. So when I got my checks up, I looked at it, and I'm like, hmm, they, they paid me way too much money. Something's going on here. So I pulled out all of my check stubs, and from the beginning of the year, I'm like, I really hope this is not a mistake because I can't pay this back. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my God. So one of the other painters come over and he said, hey, you notice your check stubs? It's like, it's, they're not right. And I'm like, I know. Something's going on. So immediately I pulled out my calculator and I'm start doing this and this and come to find out at the beginning of the year, don't laugh at me because, I mean, I pay attention to my hours. I, I mean, I am like, because I don't want her to stress out. So from January the 1st, I figured out that they gave me an 80 cents raise, which we prayed before that, that somehow I need God to help me offset the money that's going to come out of my check for her. So with that 80 cent raise, it's like it took care of it. It's like my checks have always been the same. So... And it's just all in being faithful to the Lord, just being faithful. Many of you may or may not know this, but I am not good at speaking in front of people. It makes me very nervous, so just bear with me, please. All right. Uh, 
I, and rather than crying, I'd rather laugh. So I'm going to tell you about something that happened to me this week I thought was funny, and, and hopefully, hopefully the women in here will think it's funny as well. I have uh, one of my lady technicians that works for me. Her name is Jana. Another guy, another technician, his name is Billy. So I asked Jana this week, I said, Jana, I need to ask you a question as a woman. And she said, what's that? And I said, uh, and she said, let me tell you this before I start. She said, I, before you ask me, I'm not your typical woman. Most women are not electronic technicians, okay? So I, I understand that. But anyway, what I'm getting at in a nutshell is uh, sometimes before you ask something, you already know the answer, okay? You just want to see what the outcome is going to be. So I said, here lately, my wife has been calling me dumb or dumb butt more than usual. I said, is that normal? And before she could answer, Billy spoke up and said, yes, yes it is. <laughs> Can I get amen, women? Yeah. So, but anyway, I want to say that. I know that's a little off, off topic, but it makes me feel better. So, uh, Jeremy asked us to give our testimony, basically, of what God has done. And through our life uh, and our marriage, uh, we're basically a walking, talking testimony of everything that God has done. Um, our daughter, Morgan Elizabeth, was born October the 18th of year 2000, and she weighed one pound and 14 ounces. Uh, I've got pictures of my wedding band on her arm all the way up to her shoulder. She was very, very small. She breathed on her own since day one. Uh, she has done well and thrived, and God has blessed us and has seen us through that. Uh, we have planned for a second child. Uh, most people know about it. Some may not. But uh, we had a second son. Our second child was born December the 15th of 2004. His name was Evan Levi. And uh, he was born with a heart condition, a heart defect. It's called Total Anomaly Pulmonary Venous Return. The uh, blood vessels that grow between the lungs and the heart grew between the lungs and the liver. They say it's just a defect happens in about every one in 100,000 children. Uh, no rhyme, no reason for it, just one of those things that happened. So they told us they were going to have to do emergency surgery and rush him to, they wanted us to go to La Bonner, I believe it was. And we said, well, does he have to go to La Bonner? There's nothing wrong with La Bonner, but I said, we'd rather him go to Vanderbilt if at all possible. They said, just whatever you want. So they rushed uh, him to Vanderbilt, did emergency surgery. And, uh, you know, it's very... Uh, it's very humbling when you see your child uh, laying there with his chest cut open. He's uh, swelled up. You can't hardly even make out what he looks like with saran wrap basically over his chest uh, because of the swelling. But anyway, um, <clears throat> he spent nine months at Vanderbilt, eight months at Vanderbilt in the intensive care unit. Uh, which my wife stayed up there for the whole time. Uh, shout out to uh, Ronald McDonald House because she stayed there and they didn't charge us anything, and that is a worthwhile uh, 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 organization, or however you want to put it. Um, he went how many open heart surgeries? He have three. Three open heart surgeries and one lung surgery. And one lung surgery. He had to have a trach put in. But we've seen uh, time and time again, over and over, how God was faithful and good to us. Um, we met a lot of people in there that had the same 
problems, I guess you could say, as we had, uh, issues with their children and different things like that. Uh, we've seen all kind of stuff where children would come in abused and it, it was just, it was very saddening. It, it would just make you sad and sick to your stomach to think about uh, different things like that. But uh, in a nutshell, uh, God seen us through it. Uh, he was faithful and good. Uh, after eight months, uh, he got to come home. Uh, they told us that he would live a normal, healthy life and that he would be fine once he got grew up and got rid of the trach. Um, they actually told us the last surgery, wh what had happened was is when they corrected everything and they took the blood vessels from the liver and attached them to the heart, uh, they told us that there might be scar tissue that would grow and block because he's so small. So after they'd done the surgery the last time, he told me, if this doesn't take, there's nothing else I can do. And the doctor's name was Dr. Drinkwater. Out of all names, it's kind of funny, but that was his name. And a very, very good doctor. But anyway, uh, it took, and they told us that he would come home and live a normal, healthy life. So we get him home. Uh, we have 24-hour nurse care at the house. And anybody that has a trach, they are very acceptable to staph infections. Uh, he came down with a staph infection. We sent him to Jackson General uh, and found out that they were giving him the wrong antibiotic. So he ended up dying uh, November the 17th of 2005. He's a little over 11 months old. So some may or may not know that. Um, during that process of him being in the hospital, my wife became pregnant. I was very, very, very mad to say the least, because um, I did not want another child. I didn't know how the outcome was going to be and if I was going to have a special needs child at the house. And, uh, but uh, I overcame that, and we have to realize even when we don't know, God does know. All right? Um, our third child... Jacob Eli was born November the 3rd of 2015. I mean, 2005, I'm sorry. He, he was born, he was born a, uh, two, two or three weeks before Evan passed away. So we have pictures of both of them in the crib together and different things. Um, who knows that, you know, a, a father can love his children, but nobody loves their children like a mother. And I... Uh, God had a plan because Eli did not take the place of Evan, but he sure helped my wife in a time of need when she needed it. And I realize what a blessing it is now. So I want to tell everybody <clears throat> that no matter what situation you're in or, or where you've been or what you're going through, that God is greater. Um, God doesn't change, and we know that. Just because I'm going through this, God never left us. He's never forsaken us. He's always been there through, through every bit of it. And I want to give glory to God on all of it because um, we have to realize it's part of life. And life happens. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. And life is what you choose and make out of it. And we chose the higher road and not the lower road. There's times we wanted to die. 
There's times we wish we wasn't in this world. But God's faithful, and we see where we're at now and how blessed we are. And uh, glory to God for all that he does and all that he is. Uh, also, an, another blessing, uh, with the insurance we had at the time, uh, with 11 months of life, Evans' doctor bills amounted to over $3 million. Most insurances only cover you $5 million for your entire life. A lot of people don't realize that. But it was $3 million. All we had to pay was our out-of-pocket deductible. And, and the rest of it was taken care of, glory to God. So uh, God has blessed us through it, and no matter what you're going through, you know, never, never think that he's left you or forsaked you. He, he loves you, and he always wants the best for you. And, and now, I'm going to turn this over to my wife for a second, but before I do, Jeremy and I, I had no idea what he was going to preach about this morning. He just asked us to speak. But what was so funny is in Joshua and in 1 Samuel, you talked about a stone. And I've been carrying this stone in my pocket for years. And this stone symbolizes where we've been and what we're going through or have gone through and what God has taken us through and know that he's going to carry us on no matter what. So uh, I've carried that around for years and people, it's funny you go through the airport and they're checking everything. They go, you got a rock in your pocket. <laughs> well, it's a stone that symbolizes something. When you explain it to them, they understand. But I just thought that was ironic today that, that you're doing that. And, and uh, I got this from Pastor Bruce and Debbie Hussey. Years ago, they were teaching a class. And uh, that stuck with me for ever since. So praise God. Give it to my wife. All right. So everybody knows I'm the big baby. <laughs> around here so please bear with me through this um please don't mistake these tears as once they're still full of pain they are not i have journeyed through my adult life through a lot of pain but God has always always seen me through these are always te tears of thankfulness tears of joy and tears that are reminders of what he's brought me through As Van mentioned our story, I'm just going to add the things that God spoke to me and how I dealt with everything that has happened. Losing a child is not anything that I would wish on my worst enemy. It's a very hard process to go through. It would not have been possible had we not been in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ um, it would not have been possible to make it through had we not had a strong base and a church family that believed in us and supported us and was always always there for us whenever we needed them um, so 
during the journey through the eight months in the in the PICU in Vanderbilt, I felt lonely, very lonely. And I would pray, and I would ask God to send me people to encourage me. Of course, he would always send me words of encouragement through his word. Because, like I said, I would not have made it through had I not been, had a very strong foundation in my walk with God. And he would always speak to me through his word. But I just wanted to know there was somebody else there that knew what I was going through. And he very quickly spoke to me one day, almost as if he was like saying, I'm tired of hearing you say this. But he said, I don't have you here to be encouraged, but I want you to encourage yourself in the Lord. And I want you to be an encouragement to these other women who don't know me or don't have a relationship with me. And so, okay, God, I can do that. So I struck up many friendships that I still have today that we see talk to each other um, through text message and things like that. But, um, and they've journeyed down the same road that we have in losing a child. Um, so, but God also spoke to me one day through a dream because I was at that time at a very low point, um, wondering when this journey through this hospital, these surgeries, this hospital, when it was going to be over. And, uh, he spoke to me in a dream and I was in a home. I didn't recognize it. There was a fireplace there. And I had on high heel stiletto shoes, which is very odd because I never wear them. Never, ever. And there was a snake chasing me around the house. And when I finally stopped and looked at the snake, it had a very large head. So I knew what that meant. And... I began to immediately just take my shoes and just stomp as hard as I could. And I remember waking up and saying, devil, you are under my feet. No longer am I going to be plagued with this depression that I felt so heavy on me. No longer will I be plagued with thoughts of suicide and and death. But I'm going to be an overcomer. And I'm going to rejoice. And even in the horrible situations that we were in and having to be there for so long, I I was an overcomer. I believe I was. And I know that those... Seeds that were planted then would help me in that 11th month of the year 2005 to make it through one of the darkest seasons in my personal life. But I just want to encourage you today that you have to, you have to, it is so very 
imperative to have that personal relationship with God. Because you never know what you're going to be faced with and what you will go through in your life. And it may not be something as as what I would say is bad as what we went through, but just walking through the different seasons in your life, you have to know God. You have to really know Him. Um, because if I didn't, I wouldn't be here today. I know that. And so I just want to encourage you to be steadfast in your relationship with Him and continue to seek Him and to know Him even more and more every day. And when you struggle and you're an overcomer, to share that testimony with others. Because um, as far as I know, this may be the only the second time that I've ever done this. And, and we have a lot of new faces that, that weren't um, in the church at the time that we experienced all of this. But, and so you may not know because, I mean, I'm a very quiet person and I really do kind of stay to myself. That's just my personality. But um, I have been led to... And people have been brought here who are now no longer here that we've been able to minister to because they've endured such a, a, a similar situation to ours. And so I believe that when the Bible tells us that he brings us through something to be able to minister to others, that that is so very true. And I do feel humbled and honored that the Lord would use me in such a way. And he has seen us through so many things. A lot of things Van didn't share. People would walk up to him. You know, of course I wasn't working. We were used to two incomes. People would walk up to him on Sunday to shake his hand and leave a $100 bill in his hand. And, you know, that's what he needed to get to have gas to come up to see us on that weekend, next weekend. And it was, you know, just different things like that. God is faithful and he sees you through and um, and everything that you struggle with and everything that you may face. So I just wanted to leave you with that encouragement. And um, sorry for all of this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Scars. Remind us of pain. Stories, our stones, remind us of God's faithfulness in our life. In these stories, not everyone can personally relate, obviously, just like not everyone can personally relate to your story. But what we can relate to is what these symbolize, what they mean for us. That looking back, in our life, we can see where has God been faithful? How has he helped? And then looking ahead, believe God will not let you down. He may not do his thing the way we thought he would, but he will do his thing if we allow him to. I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm going to invite our elders and deacons and other ministry team leaders to come on up because we wanted to take just a couple of minutes 
yeah, come on up and spread out here across the front. We wanted to take a few minutes. Maybe you need faith. <clears throat> you might be sitting there, standing there, listening to this story like, how? If I just had faith like them. Maybe you need some hope today. Maybe you need reassurance that it's going to be okay. That you're not forgotten, that you're not invisible. And that God's not mad at you. I think there's a couple people here today, you feel like God's mad at you. He's not mad at you. Maybe you, you just need somebody to just take a moment and pray a prayer of agreement with you. The Bible's clear. It tells us where two or three or more gather together in His name. Their God is in the midst of them. Maybe you just need someone just to pray with you about a matter. Pray with you about a certain situation. So all these folks are here. They're different layers of leaders represented across the front. That's a lot. That's awesome. God answered my prayer when I was ordained to be the pastor here. I prayed, God, I need some good people who will believe in me, who will labor with me, who will see my bad side and not give me the right foot of fellowship. That means kick you out. And he has. These are some amazing folks up here. Some amazing people. So I wanted to invite you today. We want to pray with you. And then after we pray, then we're going to come to the table of remembrance. We're going to partake of the bread and the cup of the new covenant. We're going to remember everything that Jesus has done for us. And we're going to walk out of here believing that Jesus is continue. He will continue to be with us. Amen? That's what we should be able to leave with every time we come to church. Jesus has done it, and Jesus is with us. So, let me pray, and then as I finish praying, if you would like prayer, we're standing here believing that you need prayer, and we need the practice, okay? But we want to pray. So, Father God, I thank you so much for today. A lot of emotions. But they come because we're reminded that through it all, you never left. You never abandoned. Through it all, when we felt like we wanted to leave, we were even maybe praying, get us out of here. You had another way. You had another way. Today, Lord, wherever we might be in life, I pray right now that as we come to get prayer, that we would leave reminded of what matters. Jesus, you did it. Jesus, you are with us. Whatever it is, in the name of the Lord, I pray. Amen.